This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. I would like you to find Matthew chapter 6, um, put a finger there. I'd like you to find Ephesians chapter 5, put a finger there. And in order for us to experience the new things that God has for us, it's going to take the correct priorities. And that's what I want to talk to you tonight um, about is let's, let's take inventory of our life. Because I, I'm, an, I'm a how-to kind of guy. That's nice. That's great. I, I, that's great. God is wanting to do something new. But what, what, what is my part in the equation? What, what are some things that I can do to experience what God has? Because I don't want the Bible just to be a storybook. I don't want it to just be about them. I, I want to experience God. I want to know the heart of God. If God has it for us, Lord, what do we need to do to receive it, to experience it, to walk in it, to be all that you've called and created us to be? And so first and foremost, it takes an open heart, doesn't it? A willingness to, Lord, change the way that I think tonight. A willingness when you come through those doors that, Lord, I'm presenting what I have and what I think I know. I'm opening my heart and my mind up to you. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to help me change the way I think. Because we know in order to change our life, it starts with changing the way that we think. No thinking change, no life change. A lot of times we want the life change, but we want to keep doing the same thing that we've always done. And we can't do the same thing we've always done and expect different results. Amen? So say, Lord, change my thinking tonight. We'll just start there. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And so tonight you'll hear me refer to a lot of scripture. And I want you to write those scriptures down. Some of them I'll have you turn to. But the reason I have you write those scriptures down is because this is God speaking to you. And I don't want you to build your life on man's opinion or what he thinks. The only thing that never fails is God himself. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I'm going to read out of the Amplified Translation. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external, superficial customs, but be transformed, changed, say changed, by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideas and its new attitude. New, say new. Say, God's doing something new in my life. He said, by its new ideas and its new attitudes so that you may prove for yourself what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good, acceptable, and perfect in His sight for you. So in order to prove, say prove, what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, we've got to be in the process of changing the way we think. And the more we change the way we think and align our thinking up with God's Word, the more our life begins to line up with the Word. If we don't line our thinking up with God's Word, our life doesn't line up with God's Word. But say, I'm in the process. You've heard me talk about this before, a goal that you can adopt if you want. But Lord, how can I change at least 1% a day? Because sometimes there's so many things that we want to change in our life and it kind of overwhelms us. But if we reel it into the here and now of what can I change today? If I can change at least 1% today and tomorrow I change at least 1% and the next day 1% and the next day 1%, 365 days in the year, I'm a completely different person going from faith to faith, glory to glory, 
proving what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of the Lord by just staying in the game, by just staying in the process. What does the best you look like? What does the person that God has created you to be look like? Spirit, soul, and body. What does that dream look like? What does it look like? What do you look like in the eyes of God? You know, the Bible says that each of us has a specific name. And names are very powerful to God. And that name he reveals to you. And when I say name, it isn't Tom, Dick, or Harry. But whenever you get into the presence of God, your name begins to change according to your purpose and according to your destiny. That when God speaks to you, just like he did Gideon, it went from Gideon to mighty man of valor. It went from Simon Bar-Jonah to Peter, the rock. It went from Saul to Paul. You go from lost to found, from sick to healed, from lack to provision, from the curse to the blessing. When you get in a relationship with God, you begin to hear what he specifically has for you. Remember last night we talked about that specific seed that he had set aside for you to deposit into your heart. And it's designed by God specifically for you. See, you are wired the way you are wired because of why you are wired. You are the way you are because of why you are. You are the way you are because of why you are. In other words, you have your race to run, so run your race. You're not wired to be me, and I'm not wired to be you, but you are wired to be you. Stay with me. What does that race look like for you? Uh, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. That's just from the right of where we're at. Say, I've got a race. Now he says in verse 24, it says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all, all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Verse 24 again in the Amplified, it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run your race that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours. You know in your race there are certain prizes that the Lord has for you, and those prizes look the same, but they also look different. The prize is the presence of God. The prize is the promise of God. The prize is the heartbeat of God. The prize is the will of God. The prize is knowing his thought and his intent and his will and his, mo his, his uh, motives of why he does what he does. You have your race. And he says, you are the only one who can be you. So please be you and run your race. Run your race at your pace, at the pace God has for you. Your pace is going to be different from mine and my pace is going to be different from you but the main thing is that we're in the race and the gun has shot off and it's sounded and he's just wanting you to move remember God is there's movement taking place in our lives as the body of Christ say things are moving part of the newness that God has he says I'm going to make a, a road in the wilderness I'm going to make a river in the desert in other words there's movement there's a way out of where you're at right now if things are going good there's a way to something higher if things are going bad there's a way to get to good whatever the devil has meant for your harm God will turn it around for your good because that's how good our father is but what does it take what are some things that we can do 
to position ourselves to keep moving forward because you're designed to go forward. Remember, he's, we learned last night, it takes a daily choice and decision to release the past, the disappointments, in order to turn back around and focus on our God-ordained appointments. Say release. Let it go. Reach. Go with me to Philippians chapter 3. Just to the right of where we're at right there. Say, God's doing something new. New ideas, new dreams, new clarity, new hunger, new thirst. A newness in the presence of God. New anointings, new graces. Verse 13, Philippians 3.13. Brethren, I do not count myself to apprehended, but one thing I do. Say, one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. Now, I want to ask you this. If you were here last night... When the recorder went off about your past today, did you smash the recorder? When the phone rang, pring, pring, about your past today, did you not answer that phone, but you picked up the pring, pring of God Almighty? Because you have two calls coming in, the call of your past or the call of your future. Pring, pring, which call did you pick up? Because if you don't answer the call of your past, eventually you won't even recognize the the. Your past at all. You, because in, in the body of Christ, a lot of times people just want to step over into the borders of Christianity and they just live right here on the border. And God wants us to, once we cross over and come into the kingdom of God, that we get so focused on becoming that we forget, get it out of our mind who we used to be because that's not who we are anymore. Now we are blood-bought children of Almighty God. Now we are victorious. Now we are overcomers. Now we are forgiven. Now we are going somewhere. We have a purpose, a destiny. We are designed to live in all that God has for us. And we get so far beyond the borders of Christianity, we don't even recognize what it looks like over there any longer. And he says... Forgetting this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead, I press toward the goal, say goal, for the prize. There's that word again. For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press. Press means a determined movement. I press toward the goal for the prize. Say prize. Of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. How many of you have some goals in your life? How many of you are pressing towards the mark? One translation says, I press towards the mark. Have you, have you quit pressing? Have you quit stepping towards what God has placed in your heart? Have you quit becoming who God has called and created you to be? Have you quit stepping because life has gotten harder or things, the pressure has come upon you? Because remember, pressure either causes a person to break down or pressure causes a person to break through and you're the only person who can determine whether you're going to break through or whether you're going to break down. Where are you in the process? And if you've been that person that has been broken down, tonight is your night to make a decision to get back in the game because you have breakthrough power on the inside of you and His name is Almighty God. And He doesn't break down. That's not in His character. It's not in His nature. No matter if you have lost everything or you have been at the bottom of the barrel or even under the barrel, when you make a choice to hang on to God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you get ready because upward is the way you're going. 
He says, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Your upward might look different than my upward. But either way, when we're all running our race and we're not comparing ourselves to one another. But if we seek God with all of our heart and we are pressing towards that goal, we are going upward. Regardless, no devil in hell, no religion, no person can stop us from going upward whenever we're pressing. Say, I'm pressing. Now go with me to Matthew chapter 6. Well, let's, on the way over to Matthew, let's stop at Ephesians 5. Now, how, how, what are some things that we can do to experience the new? One of the things that I know the Lord wants us to take inventory of is how are your priorities? How are your priorities? I want to read the definition of priority to you real quick. Priority is defined as the principal thing. Putting first things first. Establishing the most important. Primary focus. Placing in order of importance. Placing highest value and worth upon. Placing highest value and worth upon. First among other things. I want to read that again. The definition of priority is the principal thing. Putting first things first, establishing the most important thing, the primary focus, placing in order of importance, placing the highest value and worth upon first among all others. I want to read it one more time. Priority is the principal thing. Putting first things first, establishing the most important thing, the primary focus, placing in order of importance, placing the highest value and worth upon first among all others pause what's going on in your heart what's going on in your mind because in church we can come in here and we can play church and say well God is number one and that's fine and dandy in here but what does it look like tomorrow because we can't kick God we need to quit kidding ourselves. Because it isn't just what we say, but it's how we live. What is of high value, the highest value in your life? What is the thing that is the, the greatest amount of worth in your life? What is that primary thing? Let's don't kid ourselves. Let's go somewhere. If I want to experience all that God has for me, okay, Lord. Because see, a lot of times we want to bring God down to our way of living. Instead of us coming up to his way of living. See, true servanthood, please hear this, is serving someone the way they desire to be served. Instead of serving them the way we think they should be served. Because a lot of times we want to serve God the way we think he should be served. But true servanthood is, Father, how would you like me to serve you? How do you serve God? Hold on to Ephesians 5. Go with me to Matthew 6. We'll come back. I want to say that again. True servanthood is serving someone the way they desire to be served. Not serving them the way we think they should be served. That's why it's so important to change the way we think. Because we have an idea of the way we think 
God wants to be served. But does the way we think line up with the way that God thinks? Because the way that God thinks and if the way that we think, if they're going two different paths, so will our paths, so will our life, so will our will. God will be going this way and we will, we will be going this way thinking God is okay with it. But if we want to walk in all that God has for us and on the inside of each and every single one of us your real you the real you you are a spirit you have a soul and you live in a body the real you wants to be all that God has called and created you to be the real you wants to fulfill that dream and that desire the real you wants to walk in the power of God the real you wants to see signs wonders and miracles the real you wants to walk in the blessing wants to walk in victorious wants to overcome the real you is tired of playing church the way that we played church in the past the real you wants to see God be God so in order for that to happen we as a church we as a family we've got to do think different in order to see different because when we begin to think different we begin to believe different and we begin to expect different and we begin to to do different things and we begin to have different habits and we begin to position our life to serve him the way he wants to be served instead of us serving him the way that we think he should be served he is almighty God he is all powerful God he is the one that has the last say so not you or not me one of the reasons we don't see the power of God, and I've seen blind eyes open and deaf ears open, and I've seen the lame walk and the blind see and the deaf hear, and one of the reasons we don't see it a lot is because there's been a lack of the fear of God in the church that we've brought God down to our level instead of us coming up to his level. And the Bible says it's the fear, I'm not saying being afraid, but a respect, an honor for the house of God, for the things of God, for the word of God. In other words, putting some value back on God a realization that without God I'm nothing without God I can do nothing without God I know nothing but we're not without God we know God we have his word we have his presence he wants to show up he wants to reveal his heart he wants to do great things he wants us to come up he wants our families to mend he wants our businesses to prosper he wants us to overcome he wants tenacity and endurance and passion to rise up on the inside of us when all the hell breaks loose and when the smoke clears you and him are still standing right there saying I will not quit I will not back off I will be all that God has called and created me to be that's in you because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world than any power that comes against you God almighty is with you and for you and in you let's don't play church let's don't play church Let's go somewhere. Let's become who God has called and created us to become. How? 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 One of the ways is how's your priorities? How, how are your priorities? What do you value? What do you say worth? Not, none of this. No lip flapping. Come on. Let's, let's get real with ourselves. In your heart and with your life. How are you doing? How are you doing? How am I doing? Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. Let's look at this. 
And it says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, else he'll, he'll be loyal to the one and he'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now pause there for a moment. We cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon means deceitful riches, money, possessions, or whatever is trusted in. Pause there for a moment. We're all at different places in the game. And what God is saying, at some point in time in your life, you've got, got to make a decision first and foremost. I'm going to get in the game. I'm going to start knowing the heart of my Father. I'm going to start transferring my trust where He is my God. I am serving Him even while I have this mess over here, even while I have this addiction, even though I have all this stuff that is not right. Remember 1%? I'm at least in the game and I'm acknowledging God Almighty you are number one in my life and I'm going to keep stepping towards you and if you'll keep stepping towards God the things that don't need to be in your life they will begin to fall off one at a time you don't have to sit there and think oh I hope I don't commit adultery oh I hope I don't smoke a joint oh I hope I don't snort a line oh I hope I don't shoot up oh I hope I don't do this and do that you stay focused on him and the desire begins to change and you're not even focused on trying not to do something you're just focused on becoming you're focused on discovering the real you you're focused on thinking the way you think and, and changing the way you think and changing what you believe and changing what you say and changing on the inside and the next thing you know well I don't do that anymore and I wasn't even trying not to do that why? because your desire begins to change and the same power that's in God is the same power that's working in you and it begins to just push off the things that don't need to be here even while you're not even focusing on it You've heard me say this before, but an orange tree doesn't sit there and think, oh, I hope I don't produce apples. Oh, I hope I don't produce apples. Oh, I hope I don't produce apples. Its focus is just on being what it's created to be. And because it's focused on being what it's created to be, bloop, oranges appear, not apples. But a lot of times in the church we have this idea, oh, I hope I don't sin, I hope I don't sin, I hope I don't sin, I hope I don't sin. Quit trying not to be who you aren't anymore. Just stay focused on Him and the things that don't need to be there, they'll start coming off of you. Are you with me? You are now? <laughs> How are your priorities? How are your priorities? He says right here, you, you have right priorities and wrong priorities. He says, and whenever there's wrong priorities, follow me right here. Wrong priorities, they hinder our growth. Wrong priorities, they take away from our destiny. Wrong priorities, they slow down the process. Wrong priorities cause a person to abuse their gift and abuse their talent and abuse their calling where right priorities promote growth. Right priorities promote destiny. Right priorities promote passion. Right priorities protect what God has placed in you that He's wanting to come out. Whenever you have right priorities, you set yourself up to become who God has called you to become. See, the, a lot of times we focus on the greatest loss in life is death and that is a great loss. But one of the greatest losses in life is a life without purpose and a life with wrong priorities because wrong priorities hinder us from being who God had created us to be where right priorities empower us. Right priorities push us forward. Right priorities keep us thinking, keep us growing. Even whenever you don't feel like it, if you keep push, positioning yourself with right priorities, it is a principle to progress. Right priorities are a principle to progress. Right priorities are a principle to progress. 
God's desires that you progress. The enemy's desires that you digress. Wrong priorities cause you to digress. Right priorities cause you to progress. How are your priorities? Jesus said right here, your priorities, he says, you can't have two number ones. Let's be real with ourselves. Who's number one? Most of the time it's us. Right? But he's saying, let's make a change. Because hear this, families, because I want to ask you this question. Is it evident in your home that God is a priority? Is it evident to your spouse that God is a priority? Is it evident to your kids that God is a priority? Is it evident to your friends that God is a priority? Because right priorities promote progress and growth and destiny and peace and life and love and joy. Right priorities, when you hook in to, to the true God, to knowing Him, it empowers you. When all hell comes against you, you can keep moving forward and you can keep becoming and you can keep growing and you can keep seeing what God has put you on this earth for and it keeps endurance keeps being released and courage keeps being released and you don't know why you're continuing to step, but you're continuing to step. Why? Because you keep positioning yourself in relationship with the one who created you, the one who wired you, and the one who super is coming on your natural to help you become who's created you to be. So how are your priorities? Because priorities protect what God has placed on the inside of you. You can go through just for time's sake. I won't read all of it. You keep reading all the way down to verse 33. And in verse 25, 26, all the way through 32, he says, don't worry. Don't don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. And why, Why does he say that? Because he's letting us know that these are the things that have an opportunity to, to become a priority. How am I going to make money? How am I, what am I going to wear? What am I going to do? How am I going to do this? How, how am I going to do that? He says th- those are the things that are going to try to have priority in your life. And he says, and if you don't know God, you've got to go after those things in order for them to come into your life. But he says... I want you to make a change in who you trust. I want you to make a change in your priorities. And whenever you make a change in your priorities, stay with me. He'll start helping you think about where you need to go and what you need to do that empowers you for those things to come into your life. And now you're living in your strengths. And now you're operating in your strengths. And now you're operating in your giftings. And now you're operating in the graces that God has put upon your life. And you're going forward. And he says, if you'll start knowing him and being you, things will have to come into your life. Instead of you chasing things, now things have to come to your life. And he says, but don't worry. Now listen to the definition of worry. Remember remember the the definition of priority? Principal thing, putting first things first. The most important, primary focus, highest value. Listen to the definition of worry. Because Jesus says, don't worry about these other things. Worry means to consume in thought. To establish as our first interest. In other words, you take that problem or you take that circumstance. You take how, how is this going to come and how am I going to get a job. Or, or you take the doctor's report and you take it and it means to consume in thought. What is consuming your thinking? Because we will go in the direction of our most dominant thoughts. How's your thinking? 
where's your thinking going? Because if you let your thinking keep going the direction it's going right now, that's eventually where your life is going to end up. And he says, worry means to consume in thought, to establish as first interest. In other words, you've placed the problem as first interest. It means mental preoccupation. How many of you are mentally preoccupied with the problem instead of being mentally occupied with the promise? He goes on to say, it's priority. Well, isn't that interesting? That God says there's power in priorities and the enemy see whatever God creates, the devil has a, a, a perversion of it. And he's created your mind, stay with me here, he's created your mind to think on the answer and not the problem. But the enemy desires for our mind to think on the problem instead of the answer because he understands our life will go in the direction of our most dominant thoughts. So there's a battle for your mind. Whoever gets the space between your ears and in your mind, get your life. How are you doing? How's your thinking? How's your thinking? And he goes on to say it's priority, it's concern, fretting, or fear of the unknown. And he says, do not worry. In other words, don't allow something else to take the place of God's answer and what God is saying to you and God's heart for your life. And you know what? That takes a choice and that takes a decision and it takes a focus one day at a time. Because I know that sometimes we think, how is all this going to happen? It's going to happen one day at a time. It's going to happen one thought at a time. If you've always thought like an addict, you're going to have to change the way you think one thought at a time. If you've always thought defeat, you're going to have to change the way you think one thought at a time. If you've always thought like a pervert, you're going to have to change one thought at a time. If you've always thought going against God, you're going to have to change going for God one thought at a time. And as you build one thought after one thought after one thought after one thought, the next thing you know, your life is coming closer and closer and closer into alignment with God. God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven in your life one thought at a time. Just how the enemy has tried to possess your life one thought at a time. God wants to possess your life one thought at a time. How are you doing with your thoughts? How are you doing with your priorities? What's priority? Jesus said you can go down and skip in verse 33. He says, but seek first... The kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto him. The word seek means to explore. It means to study. It means to understand. It means to know. Remember the word know means to be intimately acquainted. He's saying seek what's on the heart of God. Seek what's on his mind. Explore, study. Because just because you come to church doesn't make you a seeker. You're seeking something but are you seeking the right thing? See, doctors, doc, that's what they do, right? But just because you give somebody an aspirin doesn't make you a doctor. Farmers farm, that's what they do on a continual basis, but just because you can grow a tomato plant doesn't make you a farmer. Right? Ranchers ranch, but just because you have a horse or a cow doesn't make you a rancher. Believers believe that's what you do. You believe on a continual basis. Seekers seek. They study. They explore. They seek to understand. They, they go after. They're, they're desiring to know. He says seek. He says if you want right priorities and you want things to come in and you want to fulfill what God has called you to fulfill and be who God has called you to be, he says check your priorities. Seek, explore, study, understand. When first? 
When? Second, third, fourth, when? No, first. When does he want us to seek? What, what, what does he want us to seek? He says, first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The word kingdom comes from um, the Greek word basilia, which is also the same word in Hebrew, mamlika, which is the word dominion. I know some of you are like, I don't care about all that, but I'm just kind of breaking it down for what it's meaning because he's saying, he's saying something here. He's saying, seek. When? First, what? The kingdom of God. Kingdom comes from two different words, which mean king and domain. He's saying, seek first the king and his domain. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says that he said, Let us, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, make man in our image and let them have dominion. In other words, it was God's desire to express his will on earth as it was in heaven. And man's first assignment was dominion, knowing the heart of the king and executing dominion. So when mankind sinned, they were not only separated from relationship with God, they were separated from their assignment, their purpose, their destiny, and dominion. So through Jesus Christ, he has reconnected us to Almighty God. And there's a desire there for you to express your purpose, your destiny, your assignment, and dominion. He says, so to be you, you've got to seek the king. To know him and to be you, that's why he says, seek the king and his dominion. Domain means the king's mind, his will, his intent. So you stay in relationship, you stay in the process to know the king. You know how he wants things done, why he wants things done. You know his mind, his heart his will he says now because you're spending time with the king and executing his will now everything else has to be added unto you see God did not create this world for things to dominate mankind he created man to dominate things but since the fall of man things have been perverted and they've been out of order that's why Jesus said in this world you'll have trials, tribulations, circumstances, situation, but be of good cheer for I've overcome it and I've deprived it of power to harm you. He says rule and reign in this life by one man Jesus. In other words, he's saying stay in the game. Stay in the game. Stay in the process. Keep, keep showing up in the practice pen. Keep changing the way you think. Keep embracing what's on the heart of God. And if you'll keep applying it to your life, the next thing you know, you're going to start growing and you're going to start becoming and you're going to start executing the word of God and the will of God. And the next thing, you're going to start seeing the hand of God in your life because of your priorities. How are your priorities? You've got to ask yourself, how, how much do you want to be who God has called and created you to be? How much do you want to, to be for the kingdom of God? How much do you want to, to walk in all that God has for you? Because if you really want something bad enough, you know, you've heard the story of, of the young man who wanted to be like Socrates, and he comes up to Socrates, and he, he says, Oh, Socrates, I want to be a great philosopher like you. And, and Socrates says, Oh, really? And he takes him down there to the water, and he grabs him by the back of the head, and he holds his head underneath the water, and the young man, he kicks and scrambles and flops his arm and he picks his head up and he says what is it that you want oh I want knowledge I want to be a great philosopher like you and he sticks his head back under the water and he does this three or four times and finally the guy's about out of breath and he pulls his head up and he says what is it that you want I want air I want air I want air and Socrates says when you want knowledge the same degree that you want air then you will start being great when we want God at the same degree that we want air at that point in time we'll start walking and talking and experiencing the power and the presence of God like no, never before 
But it comes back down to positioning ourselves, priorities. What's of high value to you? What's of great worth to you? What's the principal thing in your life? Not what you say with your mouth. But if we were to look down the ledger of your life, what do you do with your time? What do you do with your money? What do you do with your energy? Because see, time is the currency of life. What I do with my time determines where I go, who I become, what I do. How are you using your time? Ephesians 5, hold your place in Mark, Matthew 6. We might come back there. So I'm glad I came tonight. Say, God is doing something new in my life. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. I'm going to read out of the Amplified Translation. It says, look carefully then how you walk. If you're not there, please, please listen. Look carefully then how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise. Say wise sensible, intelligent people making the very most of the time. Say time. Buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. He says the will of the Lord is connected to your time. You want to discover what the will of the Lord is? He says use your time wisely. He says buy up each opportunity. Please hear me, I want to say it again. Time is the currency of life. What you do with your time determines who, who you become, where you go, what you do. How are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your time? In other words, how are your priorities? Another way to ask you, how are your priorities? What are you doing with your time? Jesus said, this is, this is something to get things in motion, to how to use your time wisely. He says, seek... When? First, what? The kingdom of God, his mind, his will, his heart, his promise, his intent, his motive, and his righteousness, his way of doing things and being right. Righteousness means right standing with God. When you were born again, you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Righteousness is not a way you feel or righteousness is not the way you dress. Righteousness is who you have become when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now just because you're in right standing with God and your spirit became new and you're a new person, your thoughts are still not righteous. That's why he says, keep seeking him and allow your thinking to be renewed and allow your thinking to be changed and allow your thinking to come into alignment with his will and his word. He says, and then not only are you righteous, now you're going to start living righteous or in right standing with God. You're, gonna, you're no longer going to try to give money to make you feel righteous or sing to make you feel righteous or to do good deeds to make you feel righteous. He says, you're going to do these things because you are righteous. That's who you are. See, a fish doesn't have to try to be a fish when it gets in the right environment. You stick it in water, what does it do? It just swims because that's who it is. You get a person that gets planted in the things of God, it just becomes who it is, and you start acting like a fish because you are a fish. You start acting righteous because you are righteous. 
doesn't mean you're not going to mess up, you're not going to sin, you're not going to fail. It just means you're in the process and the next thing you know, you are starting to act the way you have been thinking. Your, line, your thinking is aligning with the Word of God and now your actions are righteous because you're just expressing who you truly are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How are your priorities? What are you doing with your time? He says, seek. Study, explore, understand, desire to know the king. When? First. Put him first place, highest priority. He says, and as you put him the highest priority and spend time with him, you're going to get his mind, his will, his heart, his intent, and he's going to... He's going to influence you where you can make a difference around you. He's going to work in you, and then he's going to work through you. But he wants us to position ourselves so he can keep working in us, so he can keep working through us. He says as you position yourself and you start prioritizing, he says then everything else you've been trying to get is going to be added unto your life. So how, how, what does that look like? What do priorities look like? Because, okay, so we've established who's the highest value in our life. Who? God, you can write this down. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 40. This lawyer comes to Jesus, tries to trip him up. At this time, there are hundreds of laws to back up the Ten Commandments. This lawyer says, Jesus, out of all the hundreds of laws, he says, which is the greatest? He says, which is the first priority? Which is of highest value? Jesus said, there's not one, there's two. He says, the first one of highest value is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. He says, if you love God and you love people, it says all the things you're trying to fulfill, they're going to be fulfilled. In other words, he says, if you will love God and love people, you will start seeing the word of God manifest in your life and you will experience God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus said, what's first priority? Seeking him and seeking his way of doing things. Jesus said again, what's first priority? Loving God and loving people. So what's first priority in our life? What should be the first priority in order for us to be who God has called us to be? in order for us to go where God has called us to go, to do what God has called us to do, to stay in the game. What's first priority, church? God. Second priority, he says, love people as you love yourself. The greatest people that we should love around us is our family, right? Once again, I want to ask you the question, does your family see God as a priority in your life? Does your family see the word as a priority in your life? Because please, please hear this. You can read this in your own time, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. And he's, he's sharing with them. God is sharing with the people. He says, what you, the priorities that you set up for your kids, it's not only going to affect your life, but it's going to affect generation to generation to generation to generation. So priorities are passed down. Once again, how are you doing with your priorities? Priorities are passed down from generation to generation. How are you doing with your priorities. Stay with me. How are you doing with your priorities? How are you doing with your priorities? Jesus said seek him first. Jesus said to love God. To love others. Then out of knowing God. Stay with me. And loving other people. You're going to discover your strengths. You're going to discover your graces. You're going to discover 
why you're wired the way you're wired. And you're going to start seeing your life the way that God sees it. You're going to start seeing the vision that God has for your life. You're going to start tapping into the desire to fulfill your purpose and your destiny. And then once you start discovering your strengths and you start operating in them, then the satisfaction you've been seeking through money and drugs and everything else, the satisfaction begins to come because you realize it can only come from Him. And because you have Him first, He empowers you to be you. Don't raise your hands, but I want to ask you, how many of you know your gifts? How many of you know your strengths? How many have a vision for your life? How many of you know your purpose? Once again, I want to ask you the question, what does that person look like? What do you look like fulfilling your destiny? What do you look like operating in your gifts and your strengths? What do you look like? And another question, are you doing something every day to step towards that? Because once again, you can have a dream. You can have a vision. Stay with me. But without a plan that you're working on a daily basis, the dream will never become a reality. So if you don't know your gifts and you don't know your strengths, I'm going to ask you to get in the game tonight and start seeking Him until you discover who you are and why you're wired the way that you're wired. As I speak all over the country, one of the things that grieves my heart is 70, 80-year-old people, tears running down their face and them saying, Trey, I don't know why I'm on this planet. I don't want that to be you. I don't want that to be me. Do you know your gifts? Do you know your strengths? Are you operating in them? Some of the ways, and this is, this is something that you can do as I've sought God and as I've studied people uh, over the years. This is something I, w- I want to encourage you to do. H- how do I start prioritizing my life? So we see God is number one. Family is number two. Out of number three is you're, you're, you're starting to operate in your gifts, your strength, your job. So, okay, how do I start prioritizing my life? Well, first and foremost, you've got to start making a decision that I'm going to reprioritize my life before you'll ever reprioritize your life. It won't just happen. You've got to make a decision. Secondly, you've got to change where you put your time, your money, and your energy. Go back with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. Please write this stuff down. I know I talk fast sometimes and everything, but you can catch some of it. Get the CD if you need to, right? Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. Say, I'm glad I came tonight. Say, God is doing something new in my life. My priorities are a big part of it. Now, so first, what what can I do to change my priorities? Make a decision. I'm going to change my priorities. Number two, change where you put your time, your money, and your energy. Verse 21, Jesus said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The word treasure comes from the Greek word thesaurus. The word heart comes from the Greek word cardia. So he's saying where your treasure is, which is your time, your money, and your energy, your treasure, say my treasure, is my time, my money, and my energy. 
He says, there will your heart be also. The word cardia means the seat of your emotions. It means the real you will be where your time is, your money is, and your energy is. So if I want to change where my priority is, where my heart is, I change where I put my time, money, and energy. So take inventory of where is your time going, where is your money going, and where is your energy going. And if it's wrong priorities, they hinder you. Wrong priorities take away from what God has for your life. Wrong priorities deflate you. Right priorities empower you. Right priorities set you up to make progress. Priorities, the right priorities is a principle to progress. Every single one of you, you don't have to raise your hand. On the inside of you, you want to go forward. On the inside of you, you want to overcome. On the inside of you, you want to conquer. That is the way God has made you. Your first assignment was to walk in dominion. So when you truly connect to God and you're seeking Jesus, there's a desire that begins to rise on the inside of you. I know there's more. I know that God has more. I'm not settling for where I'm at. I know my family isn't supposed to stay the way that it's supposed to stay. We're going to go forward. We're going to become. How do I do that? Priorities are a principle to progress. Number one, make a decision. I'm going to reprioritize my life. Number two, where do I place my money, my time, and my energy is going to be where my heart is. Another thing that you can do, they refer to this as the 2080 rule or the Pareto principle. If you were to write down Let's say you have 10 things that you have an opportunity to do. That studies have proven over time that the top 20% of your activities produce 80% of your results. So what are the top 20% or your gifts or your strengths? Write those down. Then are you putting 80% of your time, energy, and money into the top 20% of the things that you do? Because 20% of the people in this church will make 80% of the decisions. 20% of the people in most churches give 80% of the money. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. You could go across the board, not in church, but in business world, all throughout. The top 20% produces 80% of the results. What are your top 20? Because wrong priorities, I'm busy, but I'm not effective. Wrong priorities, I'm investing in things that are of low value. I'm investing in things that are of no worth. I'm investing in things that aren't empowering me to be who God has called and created me to be. So what are those top 20%? And am I spending 80% of my time, money, and energy to operate in those 20%? Then ask yourself, the question, do I really need to do the bottom 80%? Because this, all this stuff that I'm doing, I'm like the octopus on roller skates. I'm, there's a lot of activity, but I'm not going nowhere. I'm not becoming anything. Do I really need to be doing these things? And so as you're looking at your priorities, God, family, job, assignment, purpose down here, then ask yourself, okay, this is okay, so how do I locate the top 20%? What is it that's required, required of me? My first priority, God. Nobody can know God for me but me. What's required of me? Nobody can change the way I think but me. Nobody can pray. You can pray for me. Please pray for me. I need a lot of prayer. Please pray for me. But truly, nobody can communicate with God for me the way that I can. My family, nobody can be the husband to my wife but me. Nobody can be the father but me. Nobody can be the prophet, priest, and king of my home but me. What's required of you? My assignment. 
Nobody can practice for me but me. Nobody can study God's word for me but me. Nobody can uh, be in shape for me but me. What does that look like for you? So you have God, what's required of you in your relationship with God. Your family, what's required of you in your family. In your assignment, your job, your purpose, what's required of you. Then once you locate what only you can do, then you either delegate or you really ask yourself, does all this other stuff really need to be done? And if it doesn't need to be done, then cut it out. How do I experience what God has for me? How do I become? Priorities. See, the word become in itself paints the picture of an assembly line that if I keep my eyes on Jesus and I keep seeking Him and I keep discovering who I am, I'm becoming. I'm God's connecting this piece with this piece with this piece with this piece to become the person God has called and created me to be. Once again, you have your race and I have my race. You be you and I'll be me. And if all of us are just in our race, all of us are pressing towards the goal, all of us are becoming, we look up and we're making a difference in our sphere of influence you're making a difference in your world I'm making a difference in my world and we're bringing God glory and people are coming into the family of God and then they're in the process of becoming who God has called and created them to become but in order for his light to shine bright in us we've got to have the right priorities there's there was a story of a guy this was his sole purpose they gave him a certain amount of oil that produced oil for the the lighthouse for a whole month and his priority was to protect that oil. And so it got cold and people started coming by and at first they were knocking on the door saying, man, can I have some oil? And he kept his priorities protected. He stayed focused on his priorities. He said, nope, this oil is for the lighthouse. And people started tugging on his emotions and they started talking to him, come on, Jim, don't be a jerk, give me some oil. And after a while, he kind of, he buckled a little bit and he started giving a little bit of oil out here and a little bit of oil out there and, and giving a little bit of oil out there. And when he got to the end of the month, the lighthouse quit shining because he didn't protect his priorities and fulfill his purpose and boats crashed and people died because he didn't keep protecting his priorities and his purpose. If you were manning the lighthouse with your gifts, your talents, your purpose, your time, your energy, your money. Have you been giving it to things that you shouldn't be giving it to? Because eventually, the people that God has created to be connected to you, your light was supposed to be shining, but because you gave your time, energy, and money somewhere else, their life crashed because you weren't shining the way you're supposed to be shining. Come on, church. Let's be who God has called and created us to be. Let's, God's doing something new. Okay, how do I position myself? Make a decision. How do, I, how do I position myself? I locate where my time, money, and energy is. Because where that is, my heart is going to be there. Okay, what else can I do? I can locate the top 20% of the things in my life because the top 20% is going to produce 80% of the return. I'm going to be in the process of discovering my gifts, my strengths, my talents. Me, I communicate, I lead, and I rope. That's what I do. 
And every day I'm working, I'm asking myself, what does the best me look like? How can I change at least 1% today? Am I doing something today to help my ability to communicate? Am I doing something today to help my leadership? And am I doing something today to develop my rope? And I communicate, I lead in my rope. So when opportunities come and they want me to do this, and they want me to do this, and they want me to do this, I ask myself, do those play into my strengths? Is that helping me fulfill my purpose? Is it getting me closer to being the person that God has called? and created me to be because just because it's a good opportunity doesn't mean it's a God opportunity you say well what if I have a lot of good opportunities well then what do I do write them down get somebody that's close to you that cares about you that believes in you and have them go over the opportunities talk to them about the opportunities that you're being presented and ask yourself is this opportunity going to get me closer to the vision and dream and destiny that God has put before me Is this opportunity going to step me one step closer to being the person God has called and created me to be? And if that opportunity doesn't, then it might be a good opportunity, not necessarily a God opportunity. Ladies, gentlemen, how are your priorities? Who's first in your life? Who's the most valuable? You say you want God to do something new and God wants to do something new. You say you want to be all that God has called and created you to be. But are you willing to make the decision to put Him first? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? I want to ask you what is the most valuable thing in your life? What is of high priority in your life? What's the principal thing? First and foremost, not only have you made a decision to become the person God has called you to become, but I want to, if you haven't heard me say anything tonight, I want to ask you this question. Where do you stand with God? I'm not asking you if you've gone to church. I'm not even asking you if you've been baptized. I'm asking you in your heart, between you and God, if we were sitting in the presence of God, please hear this. And I were to ask you, can you recall that moment, that day, that time that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior? Can you recall that moment where you settled it in your heart? That you knew it was from that moment on, from that time on, if you were to die, you would spend eternity with God? Can you recall that time? Don't raise your hand. Don't, I want you just to think. If you can't recall that time, maybe it was at church, maybe it was in an arena, maybe it was at a barn, maybe it was in your car, maybe it was wherever. If you can't recall that time, I'm asking you to make right now that time. Make right now that time where you settle it, where you know, yep, that was the night that I asked Jesus to come into my heart. And that was the night that I settled it according to the word of God. That I believed in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And I declared with my mouth, Jesus, you are my Lord. And that time was the time that I knew that if I were to die, I would spend eternity with God. If you've never done that before, 
We're all going to pray this prayer together out loud. And right where you're sitting, you can pray this prayer right along with us. And the Bible says, when you believe in your heart and you declare with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, that at that time, no matter where you're at or what you're doing, at that time, you receive eternal life. And at that time, you can know that you will spend eternity with Almighty God. Please make tonight that time. Let's pray this prayer together, church. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Say, Father God, tonight is that night. I make it that time that I settle it. And I make a choice and a decision to believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead to give me life. And I accept that life. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, to be my Lord, and to be my Savior.